Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to episode number 230. Hamish, help me. 37. 37. 37. <laughs> Classic me, not knowing what number we're up to. Yeah. How you going, mate? I'm good. I'm happy. And the main reason I'm happy is because the weather's been good. And that, uh, as, I've, as I've mentioned a Woo-hoo. few times, the weather is... Uh, 90% of my mood. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I'm in a good nice. mood. What you been up to? You been up to much lately? Uh, nothing. I feel like you probably asked that question last week and my answer is going to be the exact same. It's I've been same. doing yeah. a lot of editing. And then after that, what yep. I've been actually doing just to have a break from the editing is doing more editing. And then sometimes just to treat <laughs> myself at the end of the day, I'll do some more editing. So that <laughs> Nice. No, it's been good. I, I've, been, well, um, I've been trying to put like a lot more... I've been enjoying um, creating not animations, but like kind of more graphics in my videos. It's actually been fun. Like for me, it's been in the past, it's kind of been like a bottleneck for me because I haven't really enjoyed it. But um, actually learning some new techniques has been exciting. So I've actually been spending more time editing, but it's been really enjoyable, which has been good. I think it comes across too in your videos. I've noticed that definitely. (laughs) There's more like motion graphics. Yeah. 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 It's especially good for a one man band. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, especially I think with our content, it's just so necessary to have good visuals um, because yeah. we are talking about numbers or graphs, and that's certainly been a part of my content that's been lacking. So I think it's been, it's yeah. Hopefully, it's coming across that it's been good that I've been able to yeah for um, sure spend a bit more time on some of those things. So yeah, 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 definitely. Hamish, I thought we were going to struggle to talk, find some things to talk about today, but. Um the investing gods have pulled through. Yep, yep, they <laughs> have. Actually, got quite. Yeah, we got quite a bit to talk about now. There's some inflation data. Uh, we got a little follow-up story on on, uh, on threads after we spoke about that last week. But the the big news, the big news of the week was around the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Mm. So there's some juicy stuff to dig into there. Um, Bob Iger's back in the news. Another big news story, actually, which I'll I'll, yeah. I'll talk about a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's all kind of it's all kind of happened quite suddenly, but now we've uh, we've got a lot to talk about. So I think it, um, I think it's probably going to be a pretty jam packed episode. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, having said that, we'll be over and done within thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's usually the opposite. Well, yeah. Whenever we think it's going to be a short episode, we just ramble for ages, and it, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's a bigger long episode. But yeah, um, no, nah, we start talking out of our ass. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, with that said, we'll get straight into it. So today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, which is an application you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio. So you can bring in all of your trades either automatically by connecting your broker, or you can do it manually by using Excel or entering your trades in one by one manually if you want. And once you do that, it will track all the gains and losses in your portfolio. So capital gains, uh, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans on kind of ETFs or stocks, uh, it will do those calculations for you. Uh, currency gains if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies. Uh, and then you can also use it for when it comes to tax time. So, of course, um, for Australians, we're, we're upon tax time. So, if you want to get your share portfolio in order for tax time and save yourself some time and maybe even save yourself some money as well, uh, then ShareSite is a kind of a great way to do that. ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used at 
uh, to track the performance of your portfolio, as well as that tax time to work out things such as capital gains, dividend income, and more. Uh, at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to ShareSite.com forward slash Young Investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, ShareSite.com forward slash Young Investors. Uh, so use that link. You can sign up to a free plan and track up to 10 holdings for as long as you want. Uh, or you can sign up to a premium plan for more features and more reporting. And if you use our link, you'll get four months off a yearly subscription. So uh, go check it out, especially if you're Australian and uh, because tax time is upon us. Time to get your affairs in order. Mm, indeed. Yeah. Jeez. I just kind of don't want the reminder. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> I want to cross that, I hate cross that bridge time. when I get it's, to it. It's just so, an annoying, so it's such an annoying thing to deal oh, with. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just a headache until it's done. And then it's like, whew, I've got, you know, I've got a while to not yeah. think about it. First world problems, but yeah, it is just a, it's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. But that's okay. It is what it is. That's definitely a first world problem. Yeah. Oh, dear. You know, I was just scrolling through. We have made so much flipping content on uh, for the Young Investors podcast. It kind of I like mm. when you, I just say say the number just off off the cuff, like two hundred thirty seven. We've made like two hundred and thirty seven one hour long podcasts. <laughs> how insane is that? Yeah. I'm literally just scrolling back through our YouTube channel. It's actually mind blowing at how much content we've made. Anyway, yeah, it's actually sorry, it's, it's just a just. It's, it's Sorry, yeah. No, no, I was going to say it was just funny because I actually, I think it was, yes, earlier this week or last week, I I, um, I went and listened to the first episode again <laughs> just to oh see. Oh my gosh, don't do that. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> so rubbish. Oh, oh, it was so bad. I was like, do I just, should I just delete this? <laughs> oh, but, no. um, Yeah, but, because we used yeah. to host it on our own YouTube channels until we made yeah. the switch and made the actual Young Investors podcast feed. Yeah. So the Young <laughs> Investors podcast feed actually starts at episode 62. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. The first one is, t- it's called Tesla Goes Boom, Disney Plus Goes Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. No, it just shows like kind of how far we've come though. It's um, It's been good. I think, yeah. um, you know, it's it's still a pretty yeah. laid back no, definitely. podcast. It's nothing crazy, but it's, uh, yeah. we've, um, yeah, it's I certainly like it. a lot of fun. And yeah, it is crazy. When you do something every single week, it kind of starts to add up. So um, it's, mm. it's been good. We've been able yeah. to be so consistent with it. All right, let's talk, Hamish. Let's talk big news today. Big what news. on earth has happened with Microsoft yes. Activision Blizzard? So, yeah, this is a story that's kind of been going along for a long time now. And we've had kind of bits and bobs of news here and there. Um, and uh, this week, yes, the big news, a California judge uh, has actually denied the Federal Trade Commission's injunction, uh, which will essentially allow the merger or the acquisition to proceed. Um, So just to give a bit of a timeline of events uh, to kind of understand what led to that, uh, Microsoft, first of all, was aiming to close the acquisition of Activision, I'm going to mix up those words throughout this, so bear with me. The acquisition of Activision, not the Activision of acquisition. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, they aim to get this completed by the 18th of July. So, what the Federal Trade Commission, uh, oh, sorry, and then um, kind of in the meantime, uh, the Federal Trade Commission has filed a lawsuit to block the acquisition. And the trial for that lawsuit is actually in August. So, the trial was set or is set. Uh, for after the time where the acquisition will close. So what the FTC has to do then is they have to file a motion to get a preliminary injunction, which is essentially just a fancy way of saying they want to pause or prevent the acquisition from going through until the trial right. uh, takes place. Um, so that's, okay. that's what injunction means. It means to some kind of stop order. Um, 
And right. the news this week is that the judge ruled against the FTC. Um, so no injunction mm. will be put in place, which essentially means the path right. has been cleared uh, for this acquisition to close. Uh, well, at least one part of the, the, the path has been cleared uh, for this acquisition to kind of proceed. Um, we'll talk about maybe some of the other kind of roadblocks <laughs> potentially still in their way. Right. But before I get to that, uh, there's a couple of core reasons for the decision um, handed down by the judge. Um, so a, a core part of the FTC's argument against the merger was that uh, Activision titles, a game titles such as Call of Duty, could potentially become exclusive to Xbox-owned uh, Xbox consoles. Um since then, Microsoft has committed to keeping the game on competing consoles for at least 10 years. Um, so that was kind of one aspect of uh, why the judge is um, not allowing this injunction. Uh, and then the other part was that the judge found the FTC's uh, star witness unpersuasive. So the FTC's star witness is the CEO of PlayStation, uh, Jim Ryan, PlayStation owned by Sony, uh, right. Microsoft's biggest competitor. Uh, and the judge uh, was uh, the quote from the judge was uh, the FTC's heavy reliance on Mr. Ryan's, the, the CEO of PlayStation's testimony, is unpersuasive. Sony opposes the merger. Its opposition is understandable. The merger is perhaps bad for Sony, but good for Call of Duty gamers and the future of gamers. Um, mm. So they essentially found uh, Sony's argument that uh, it's bad for Call of Duty um, unpersuasive, and that was kind of the other key part of the the decision. Interesting. Right. So they've basically said no. Sorry. You you've not you've not persuaded us to 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 what what was it? Grant you this the injunction. What's it called? In injunction. Okay. So so if that that blows my mind. So if they if they had if they hadn't have gotten this injunction, they they won't wait for the trial. The merger will just close and then it's just like, "Well, sorry, the merger's already happened." They don't even wait. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. So they'll essentially allow, wow. uh, as far as I understand, they would essentially allow the acquisition to close. Um, mm. And then I believe the trial could probably still take place in, in some respects. <laughs> I, I, I'm know. not exactly sure how it works, but the next kind of uh, the next kind of stage would be that the FTC can appeal the injunction. So there's still... Uh, a little bit of yes. time before this uh, acquisition is expected to close. There's still a few days. <laughs> so mm. they can still appeal uh, the injunction. And uh, essentially how that works is they go to a slightly higher court uh, and they say, no, that judge in the lower court was wrong. Um, we want you to reverse that, grant us our injunction and block the acquisition until the trial. Um, mm. and, I and I think there was a bit of actually, news, right, about that? Yeah, there was a bit of news that I actually just spotted out the corner of my eye. Um the federal tra uh, the federal trade commission says it is appealing a recent US federal court order that cleared the way for Microsoft to purchase Activision Blizzard so they are it looks like they are going to do it the FTC has filed a notice that it is appealing judge Jacqueline Scott uh, Corley's decision but we don't but we won't know the regulator's full arguments until the full appeal is submitted to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals so interesting they actually mm. are looking to at least well they say their intention is yeah. to appeal it and um now that sorry yeah sorry yeah. Not, not to interrupt you it's interesting because 
Um, this is pretty unstandard for for the FTC. Usually, if there's you know uh, if the court rules against them, uh, in, in, in the last couple of uh, antitrust cases they've gone through, they've just moved on to the next case. So it is kind of interesting that mm. they're actually potentially looking to appeal, which means they obviously see this as a pretty significant case, and um, and it is a massive acquisition. So that's also. Not surprising. It's a what seventy billion dollar acquisition. So it makes sense that if yeah. they believe that it shouldn't go through, that they would put all the all of their resources and options to use in this case. Mm. Now that the FTC is choosing to appeal Judge Corley's decision, the regulator needs the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to issue an emergency stay to extend the existing temporary restraining order that is set to expire at 11.59pm PT on Friday the 14th of July. Uh, It's not clear if the appeals court will even rule before the deal deadline on July 18th, potentially leaving the door open for Microsoft to close the Activision Blizzard deal on Monday or Tuesday without a restraining order in place. Right. On Wednesday, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick told CNBC's Julia Borston, I'd be surprised if they would waste taxpayer resources on something like that, referring to an FTC appeal. The, Act- so, the Activision CEO said that. Wow, that's a surprise. What a shocker. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Is your mind blown, Hamish? That's crazy. So that, that's really interesting because that, that, that kind of speaks to what I was saying before, which is there's not much time left. There's just a few days until you know Microsoft has said they want to close or will be closing on this acquisition. So you know, whether mm. they can even get a court to sit and hear on this is is a you know that that's a very short amount of time um, for, for that to take place. So yeah, it will be. Hello, court. Are you open today by chance? Yeah, have you got you got a spot for us? <laughs> yeah. Who, uh... Just wondering. Um, hey, yeah. Uh, what 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 are your trading hours for today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll I'll just pop in in a minute. I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have yeah, no idea how the politics of that works, shuffling around cases or whatnot to uh to to get it in yeah, front. No uh, who knows? Um, mm. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, so there you go. So it looks like the FTC will appeal though. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so that's kind of one aspect of the the blockage or, or the, the the walls in front of uh, Microsoft and and, Acquis- and Activision for this acquisition. Uh, the other two kind of main <laughs> the other two areas are the EU and the UK regulators. So the EU regulators, the Commission has already approved the deal. So the EU's given them the go ahead. Um, they're all good. Uh, the UK is the other uh, regulatory body. Uh, still standing in their way. Um, so mm. the UK's Competition and Markets Authority is uh, is now the other kind of regulator that's um, that's still blocking the deal. But guess what, Hamish? <gasps> what? Is there any more boy, news? Boy, oh boy, I have an another piece of news Oh my God, this is a, a, this is a monster this. week for, for this story. I didn't realise. Yeah, I know. Actually, <laughs> actually though, just when you thought it was all over. No, no. Uh, it appears the UK Competitions and Markets Authority uh, may have now had a change of heart after a US judge on Tuesday denied the FTC's motion for a preliminary injunction to stop Microsoft from completing its active, his purchase of Activision Blizzard. The UK CMA said it was ready to go back to the negotiations table with the Redmond giant. Quote, we stand ready to consider any proposals from Microsoft to restructure the transaction in a way that would address the concerns set out in our final report, a CMA spokesperson told CNBC via email on Tuesday. 
Hey, 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 there we go. The plot thickens. So Wait. now it looks like the CMA could be willing to come to an agreement. It says, quote, in order to be able to prioritize work on these proposals, Microsoft and Activision have agreed with the CMA that a stay of litigation in the UK would be in the in the public interest and all parties have made a joint submission to the Competition Appeal Tribunal to this effect. The regulator could have gone ahead and progressed with legal action in the courts. However, this would have been a lengthy and costly process and may have been particularly bruising for the watchdog if it were to lose the case. Alex Hafner, a competition lawyer at law firm Fladgate, told CNBC that the setback to the FTC essentially left the CMA, quote, exposed to being the only regulator that has actually blocked the deal. Why did they do this? You might call it face-saving, you might also call it pragmatic, given the circumstances. It's been backed into a corner and publicly said it's announced a stay of the appeal to negotiate with Microsoft, Hafner added. You add that together with the political machinations of all the of all the, the heat the CMA's got, it's pretty nailed on that it's going to negotiate some kind of settlement with the parties. Wow, there you go. It's uh, that, that, that is yeah. interesting that they let... Or at least they look at the decisions of the of other countries' regulatory bodies, and that influences it's their own weird, decision. Isn't it? And I guess in some respects, it it kind of speaks to well, if if U.S. courts are going to rule this way, then U.K. courts will probably rule. So so just kind of from a practical perspective, uh, you know, it makes sense to kind of say, okay, well, their court ruled that way. Our courts would probably rule a similar way, uh, given maybe similar legislation on this on this topic. Um, mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll just stop blocking it <laughs> or at least allow them back to the negotiation table is kind of what they said. Um, mm. But it is, a, it is, it is certainly interesting. Um, one thing I, I kind of noted on this um, was the, the stock price of uh, Activision has been interesting to watch because, of course, uh, the acquisition price has been $95 per share. And uh, for a very long time, the stock has been significantly below that. Uh, and that's because it, it had essentially reflected the uncertainty of this acquisition yep. going through, uh, which, you know, go back 12 months ago or, or six months ago was was quite significant. Um, today, the stock sits at about $90 per share. So it's only slightly below uh, the $95 uh, price per share. Uh, and even if there was 100% certainty about the acquisition, it wouldn't go to 95 because it has to allow for... Um, transaction costs. So it's almost all the way to 100% certainty or the market is, is fairly certain. Deems now, it. Is yeah. deeming it fairly certain. Not that, you know, markets aren't always right, but <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. But the market is now very confident um, that uh, that the acquisition will go through, which has been interesting to watch. Um, and, and that move happened just this week on all, all of this news. So the stock rose, I think, 10% on a day um, when the, when the, um, the FTC was denied their injunction. So, um, wow, it's interesting to see that uh, it's gone from I think about sixty five dollars per share or seventy dollars per share, you know, reflecting twenty twenty five percent upside. If you were you know betting that the acquisition would go through, which was kind of which is kind of called a risky arbitrage. It was what you know Warren Buffett was um, talking about um, with their investment through Berkshire Hathaway uh, in in. Mm. Uh, in Activision, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and now most of that gain has been has been kind of eliminated, um, or or yeah. it, it's occurred. Um, it's, it's been realized. It's yeah, been yeah. realized. Yeah, 
Yeah. Do you reckon? I reckon thirteen uh, F. Buffett's thirteen F. Well, you reckon he's out. The thing is, we're not going to see it on this thirteen F, right? Because imagine you don't think so. Well, well, p- potentially, potentially, but the a large part of the the gain has come uh, after the end of the second quarter. Um, oh, how so? Okay. Uh, potentially, um, we would see it uh, in the third quarter. Um, uh, 13F filing, which would not be coming out for four months. But you're, you're right. We might see some of it. They already trimmed in the last quarter, I believe. They trimmed a little bit of this of the stock. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, because, true. Because you, we did hear Buffett talk about this as a, a lot from the respect of it's a risky arbitrage bet. And uh, while I'm sure he potentially believes in the company long-term, if, it, if that is the play... Um, most of that gain has already occurred, so you can get you can get most of that benefit from the risky arbitrage if you just sell the stock today, rather than True. waiting to get the ninety five dollars when the acquisition or if the acquisition goes through. Uh, and certainly, yep. the risk reward profile has, has shifted. Now there's a very small mm. reward um, for quite a big loss if the acquisition still somehow fails. Um, yep. You would imagine the stock would fall down quite significantly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think no. I I reckon yeah. I reckon he would be taking this opportunity. I mean, why not? Why not? He'd yeah. at least be reducing as much as he can without influencing the stock price. Yeah, and yeah. I ho- think anyway. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see some of that. Yeah. When the what are the thirteen Fs? It's still a month away, right? It's uh. Yeah. 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 It'd be interesting to see even if he decided to start reducing before the end of the of the quarter. Actually, no. It should Maybe. be should be pretty soon, right? Yeah, no, it's still like a a month from now. Still a month from now. They got 45 days. So they've got however many days, 31 days. And then, so the 14th. Yep. Yep. Hmm. The 14th of next month. We already will get them. We we got one 13F already. We got Mr. Charlie Mungers. And he uh, he, he did did precisely nothing. So, um, yeah, it's not not one of the topics we're talking about today. Yeah, no, we we didn't we didn't put it in because he did absolutely nothing. There you go. I guess we have covered it. Yeah, well done, go. Charlie. We did it. Absolutely nothing. Um, do we have anything else to talk about with the the Microsoft Activision acquisition? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start calling it a merger for future for future reference yeah, because it's yeah. so much easier. Um, yeah. Uh, no, that's it. That's it. So we'll we'll see uh, next week. We'll maybe have a short update on this because yeah, we'll, we will know whether will. or not we will likely know whether the acquisition has gone through or whether uh, an appeals court has uh, has listened to the FTC and said, you know what, we change our mind. You know what, have your injunction. <laughs> yeah, it's all happening, Hamish. It's all happening. All right. Um, oh, I, I've got to talk about this um, this very big news story mm. that's uh, that broke very recently, I think. Bob Iger, Ooh. my man. I love Bob Iger, Bobby. by the way. He's great. I think Bob's great. Um, he has extended his contract to uh, through 2026. Wow. So he's going to stay 
at <laughs> for somebody that retired, at, what was it like four years ago? Yeah. He's not doing a very good job at retirement, no, is no, he? No. <laughs> you just can't get away from them. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, so I think he was going. It was at the end of 2024 that he was going to step down. Yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. It says, yeah, Disney has officially extended Bob Iger's CEO mm. contract by another two years. So he's going to stay. Honestly, I think this is great news. I think this is great news. Anyway, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a little. I'll read you a little bit more. Mm. Disney's board of directors announced late Thursday afternoon Iger had, uh, has agreed to continue to serve as Disney's CEO through December 31st, 2026. In a filing with the SEC, Disney said Iger's new contract will include an annual bonus target for the executive equal to 500% of his annual salary. Sheesh. Oh, but then again, that's yeah, good reason to stay. But then again, I'd, I'd have to look at what what his uh, salary actually is. But normally, yeah. salaries are quite like in the grand scheme of things, quite low, yes. and then they get dumped a boatload of stock or options or something, yeah. which makes uh, their salaries uh, like yeah. tens of millions. Yeah, assuming the sal- the salary isn't insane, you actually want the variable part of the compensation to be a very large percentage compared to salary. Like assuming the salary isn't yeah. like a hundred million dollars or fifty million dollars or something, you would you prefer that? Yeah, that most of the pay that they're going to get comes in the form of a bonus only if they meet certain performance targets. Um, so yeah, yeah it, the other way around would be quite um, quite bad for shareholders. I think if they receive a very large amount of cash and only a little bit extra if they you know do well in the business, um, their incentives yeah. are not. likely not to be super aligned in that uh, in that respect. His base salary was three million, right? Okay, so that's that's very yeah. small. Um, I think, yeah. Oh, this is from this is from twenty twenty. Anyway, it, yeah, it's small. So, but he's still gonna yeah he's still gonna get a nice bonus uh, by sticking around. Um, so what else? Quote time and time time and again, Bob has shown an unparalleled ability to successfully transform Disney to drive future growth and financial returns earning him a reputation as one of the world's best CEOs, Disney chairman Mark Parker said in a news release. Bob has once again set Disney on the right strategic path for ongoing value creation and to ensure the successful completion of his transformation while also allowing ample time to position a new CEO for long-term success. Hmm. The board determined it is in the best interest of shareholders to extend his tenure and he has agreed uh, to our request to remain CEO through the end of 2026, Parker added. Mm. Iger, who stepped back into the CEO position in November, has remained hyper-focused on profitability as investors shift focus away from subscriber... Uh, as investors shift focus away from subscriber growth and put more emphasis on margins. Mm. There you go. Yeah, it's not super... It's not overly surprising, I think. Um, the two-year time horizon, for, especially given everything he spoke about when he came back, he did that kind of town hall, talking about transforming the business, um, cutting costs, um, and potentially divesting parts of their business. We saw them move kind of ESPN and their sports business into its own segment. So we're, <laughs> I'm still excited to see what, the, why they did that, if they really just thought that that was a good way to structure the business, or if they're potentially lining that up to spin that off. Um, or, or to separate it in yeah. some way, sell it as, as spare parts or something. But you would imagine, yeah, it, 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 there's still quite a lot for him to do. Um, so it, it, it isn't surprising that he's adding another couple of years. When I, when I first heard that he was coming back, 
for two years. There was in my mind, there was no way he only stayed for two <laughs> for two years. Oh, really? Um, yeah, fair. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he only really, if you really think about how long he left for, because he announced that he was leaving, but then he was working alongside Chapek for a while through the pandemic. So he kind of stayed back because the pandemic hit. And then he only he was, mm. wasn't really gone for that long. He was gone for about a year or so, um, I think. Mm. So it's uh it's it's interesting. It's kind of like he hasn't really left. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure ideally he wants to ultimately leave. Um, and I, I think the succession plan that he's hopefully trying to put in place, I guess now in 2026, uh, will be a core part of what he's doing. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind seeing him mm. at the the top of the company. I, I, I no, definitely not. He's, he's he's been good for the company, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's been very very good for the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, says here the executive has worked to us. This is on what you're talking about about his town hall and his new plan. The executive has worked to establish new revenue streams, like a recently launched ad supported tier for its streaming service Disney Plus. The company has also announced price increases on the service to help uh, pair losses and lift metrics like average revenue per user. Uh, Iger affirmed, uh, reaffirmed the company's outlook of reaching streaming profitability profitability by 2024. Disney is also working to slash 5.5 billion in costs out of the business, including 3 billion in content costs. The company announced an effort to cut 7,000 jobs in February. Disney went through its first round of layoffs at the end of March. Its second and largest round uh, occurred in late April, with a third round taking place last month. Iger said in his own statement on Wednesday, quote, there is more to accomplish before this transformative work is complete. Quote, because I want to ensure Disney is strongly positioned when my successor takes the helm, I have agreed to the board's request to remain CEO for an additional two years. The importance of the succession process cannot be overstated. As the board continues to evaluate a highly qualified slate of internal and external candidates, I remain intensely focused on a set on a successful transition. There you go. Good on you, Bob. Good on Love you, Bob. Bob. Yeah, it's um, it's been it's been tough for media companies recently. It's uh, they've been dealing with a bunch of different things. Um, I think the biggest we're not actually really going to talk about it today, but there's been the the writers' strike that's been going on for a mm-hmm. couple of months now. Um, and uh, there actually was news on that this week, which was um, if a deal isn't met, there's now going to be an actors' strike <laughs> that's potentially <laughs> going to be happening. So. There's a lot wow. of shows that have been, you know, big big shows. Um, Netflix has postponed um, the production of Stranger Things, which is kind of this very anticipated last season of Stranger Things. Um, most studios have have postponed shows that are supposed to be coming out late this year or next year. So uh, that's been super difficult for these businesses to kind of um, kind of navigate. And uh, yeah, box office results have been. Kind of, uh, kind of a mixed bag. Um, uh, speaking of Disney, yeah. uh, I was just kind of because uh, I saw you were going to talk about this story. I was, I took a quick look at the kind of the box office results for this year so far, um, and some yep. of the recent ones, and it has not been exactly great for for Disney and, and some of these other big companies. Um, they uh, they launched the fifth and final installment of Indiana Jones two week, two weeks ago, which is come on. If you I think if any show gets to five movies. That's that's a that's a that's a mistake. I think. What you don't you really? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's yeah. just it, I think nah, fair I think the biggest problem at the moment is there's just such a especially with blockbuster movies is there's such a lack of creativity. It's just yeah big studios producing the same shows over and over again because they're safe or they they perceive yeah. to be safe. And some of that safety I think is starting to 
show that it's it's not really there. They spent three hundred million dollars on this Indiana Jones movie, which means that its break even overall probably is six to nine hundred million. Uh, and it, in its open week, uh, open weekend uh, domestically, it did just sixty million. Uh, domestically, over the past two weeks since its launch, has been one hundred and twenty nine million. Uh, globally, has t- been two fifty five million. So. Um, pretty unlikely that that's going to be a, a profitable movie for them um, out of the box office. Uh, although, you know, it, as I said, it's kind of been a bit mixed bag. Um, Avatar 2, we can now look back at their box office, grossed $2.3 billion globally, <laughs> which I think that movie cost close to $2 billion or something like that. So it was an enormous project, in, including marketing and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a mixed bag for, for, for these companies at the box office. Um, 2023, US domestic box office so far this year has been $4.46 billion, uh, which is an increase of 20% on last year's first half, but still 21% lower than 2019, um, which just right. really shows so you. So they've got a ways to go. Yeah, I mean, four years later now, after you know pre, pre-pandemic, and theatres just haven't... Uh, haven't you know recovered haven't bounced in, back in the same way um yep and is you know some of that is due to less films being released so in the first half of 2019 there was 57 films released uh, at u.s box office versus 45 this year so there's been okay. just less yep. films so far uh yeah but it's also been due to <laughs> some terrible performance uh yet warner brothers uh released shazam and uh the flash which both bombed uh, Disney's new Ant-Man movie bombed, Elemental bombed, Indiana Jones bombed. Uh, right. And then there's been some good ones. Uh, Super Mario Bros. did over a billion dollars at the box office, which is crazy for an animated wow. film. Um, Sony had a Spider-Man movie that came out that did well. Paramount's Scream 6 did uh, pretty well. And I think the one everyone is, or well, at least I'm super excited to see and uh, see how it performs. Is, the Barbie movie. Is, uh, the Barbie movie. That's That's exactly right. Um, I, do you remember growing up? You had your little Barbie house, and you know, yeah, you had, yeah, 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 Barbie and Ken, and yeah, you'd be battling and lying down at the pool, and this and yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A favorite pastime. Of I, mine. I showed you my collection last time you were here, right? You saw that. You saw. Yeah, it. I know. We were playing. Yeah. We were playing Barbies for you know hours. Yeah, I, I've told everyone here that I have three bedrooms. It's actually four, and the fourth one is just a Barbie room. So yeah. Barbie collection. Exactly. No, um, Oppenheimer. I think uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, new film, uh, three hour film on, uh, on the discovery of the atomic bomb. So I think that'll be, I don't know about you, but I've seen so much marketing for this movie. Uh, The budget was only a hundred, I say only the budget was a hundred million. But I would imagine the break even on that movie is probably quite high because they've done an enormous amount of marketing, Mm. but um, I'm super excited to see how it actually performs because um, the hype around yeah. that has been kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I'll definitely go and see it. Christopher Nolan, he makes pretty interesting movies. I think I feel. Yeah, no, but, no CGI. Yeah. When does that come out? It comes out pretty soon, right? Uh, next week. Yeah, I feel like we're doing an ad for Universal now, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's the guy that did uh, Interstellar, and I, I watched Tenet as well. Oh, Inception. Yeah, yeah, he's done heaps. Yeah, he's done, no, he's Dark Knight. He's good. There you go. Yeah, Memento. That's a good movie. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize. 
Yeah, he's done heaps. Yeah, his movies are great. <laughs> and he never uses... Uh, he doesn't use CGI. That's uh, that's like his big thing. So, um, what? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it'll be... He always uses practical effects, which will be, you know, very interesting to see how that plays out in Oppenheimer, a movie about the atomic bomb. But... Um, assuming, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that's like that's uh that's his big thing. Um he doesn't use CGI, which is kind of refreshing because a lot of the CGI in movies recently has just been really cheap in my view. Um mm. like there there's good CGI tech, but uh when when, co- when media companies are trying to cut back, they kind of skimp on the CGI and it 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 kind of lets yeah. down the, sh- the the movie sometimes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Looks terrible sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes, there we go. Um, anything else? Anything else on the on the movie front? That's interesting, though. Yeah, box office. It's crazy that box office still still is twenty percent down versus pre pandemic. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, you got to wonder if it's ever coming back. Like that, that, that's know. the thing. I mean, I'm sure it will, but not like not not the same. That's the thing, right? It's not just the pandemic that's happened since 2019. You've had every media company launch and make a big attempt in streaming. So you've got. You know, now, yeah. you know, Disney comes out with a big movie and you're kind of like, uh, that might be okay. You'll just wait for it to come out on streaming. Um, rather than yeah. thinking, well, if I don't go and see it at the movies, I might have to pay $15 to go buy this thing or even just wait a long time and get it as a, as a rental. That's completely kind of shifted now to, oh, well, it'll come out on the streaming platform, right? So, um, yeah, you wonder if, if it'll ever come back. Ticket sales at theatres has been declining since the year 2000. But uh, ticket, sorry, like uh, the number of tickets sold has been declining. Um, yep. But the ticket uh, revenue has been increasing uh, just because the, co- right. the cost. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if this is kind of mm. a, an inflection point um, mm. for, for, for theatres. Who knows? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, guess we'll wait and see. All right, tell me about um, what's going on with uh, inflation at the moment. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, we got, um, it's good news. We've got very, it's very good, good news. Good news. Very good news. Really? Um, so, oh, sick. Yeah, this is US inflation. Uh, the headline figure came in at just uh, 0.2% uh, for the month uh, in June, which uh, now represents a 3% year-over-year rate for the headline inflation figure, which is very, right. very low. Um, that's a, you know, of, of course, we'll talk about core inflation because, um, you know, remember, headline inflation is very much driven down by energy. Um, but mm. that headline figure is the lowest uh, level since March 2021, so well over two years now, and it represents the 12th straight month of declining inflation from the 9.1% wow. peak, which was June last year. So, Wow, that was a year ago. Yeah. It's, that was, wow, that's insane. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's crazy. And yeah, now you look back on the chart and it's like, wow, yeah, inflation has been really pushed down. Um, core inflation, which has been kind of stickier, uh, came in at just 4.8% compared to um, 5.3% last month. So that represents a pretty reasonable decline as well. Um, it was also only 0.2% for the month. So at the current kind of monthly rate, it, inflation, even core inflation is trending towards between 2 and 3% uh, within the next 12 months. So... Um, you know, maybe that we, we never really know. I mean, I mean, up until June last mm. year, it was, you know, trending up like a rocket. So it can change very quickly. Uh, but that's, you know, certainly very, very good news. Um, mm. Energy was the driving the decline down 27% year over year uh, with fuel oil being down 37% year over year. So that's 
obviously driving a big part of the decline. The worst inflation is still coming from food, which was 5.7%. Shelter um, was 7.8%. And transport, which was 8.2%. Um, so right. you, yeah. you still the unavoidables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we spoke about last week, you know, who, who needs a home, who needs food, you know, who needs these things. Right. Yeah. But, um, mm. yeah, so there's some areas that are still quite high. Uh, but yeah, certainly good news. You, um, you can't really, uh, can't really knock that at all. Um, no, that's mind blowing. I mean, hopefully fingers crossed the core CPI can also continue coming back down it's crazy that we're back down to three percent now for headline inflation yeah it's, it's almost that's, hard to like it's unbelievable that it that's, is that's the number because three percent is good um the u.s target is two yep. percent but the australian target is two to three percent so there's a bit of disagreement about we're in the ballpark we're certainly in the ballpark i think um you three know, percent is acceptable i i, I would imagine <laughs> and i don't think people are complaining so. too much about three compared to two no. um I'm complaining about nine. Nine is getting. <laughs> nine is you know. That's a, nine is a bit too a bit too much for my liking. Yeah. But three I can handle. Two's even better. Yeah. But three I can handle. Yeah. I was. Um, <laughs> I was. Uh, when I saw nine last year, I was just thinking, Jerome, it's, it's time. It's time to do something, <laughs> mate. You were wrong. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. transitory. Come on, buddy. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. We think it's transitory. Yeah, um, yeah. Insane, hey, insane. Well, look, maybe it was transitory. It just took a little bit longer, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine he, he he winds that back up again. He's like, <laughs> I was right. It was transitory. <laughs> I knew, I, I knew it was transitory. We were going to raise rates, and then inflation was going to come back down. It was yeah. always going to come back down. It's transitory, you, right? You trust me. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have anything to do with raising these interest rates. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, essentially, of course, the big question is now, does that mean you know, in, uh, rate hikes are done? Uh, they, the Fed paused last month. Um, potentially, they'll continue to pause if, if the inflation picture stays um, kind of similar. The one kind of, uh, look, this is good news. I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, but there is kind of one potential reason why there may still be rate hikes. And the Fed has been talking about this a little bit and it's to do with the really hot um, labor market. Um, so there was a survey actually came out this week from the National Federation of Independent Business that showed that 42% of small businesses had job openings that were hard to fill. And almost all small businesses said they had few or no qualified applicants for jobs. Um, so the labor market is mm. incredibly hot. Uh, unemployment is 3.6%, which is very good. Like it's, it's good to have a strong labor market. Um, but there's also still 11 million open jobs. So you've got a full labor market basically and all of these open jobs. And that really says two things, I think. One is there's still very strong demand for products and services. So because businesses are needing to hire more people. And the other thing is that wages will probably still be going up because businesses need to pay more to attract um, staff that they need. And that, of course, is great for consumers, but it also does put more money in the pocket of consumers, which is inflationary. Um, so that's that's you know part of the reason or part of the story around why inflation might be, a little, or core inflation might be a bit stickier is because wages are going up. So people are getting more money and they're spending more of that money and that might you know um, bake in a, a more consistent level of inflation. Um, so that, that's the small bit of uh, you know caveat, I think, to this. In good news. It's good news. No, Hamish. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are the negative Nancy, I know, aren't you? I know. I'm sorry. No. 
Scrap that last bit. It's good news. Inflation's gone, guys. (laughs) Party, 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 party. No. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm definitely seeing this as good news. Yes. Forget what Hamish said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm burying my head in the sand. It's fine. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, you know, for for us Australians, hopefully, you know, we see a similar effect. We had the RBA pause last week with their, or not, yeah, was it last week or the week before that? Yeah, on their so. on their yeah. rate hikes, um, yep. and we've got inflation data coming out in I think two weeks. So hopefully, similar story. Fingers crossed, eh? Fingers crossed. Um, uh, I don't have anything to add on that. Yeah, how are we doing for time? What do we do? We have. More stories? Oh uh, no! We've still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go through one more news story. Yeah, yeah for sure. What have we got? What, what have you got on uh, the uh, Bank of Bank of England? What are they? Oh doing? yeah, this is this is nothing crazy. I just thought that um, this kind of ties into everything we've been talking about, especially the situation in um, in Australia. Um, the Bank of England warned. Uh, if, well, the headline is Bank of England warns of mortgage agony. <laughs> Jesus. So I thought I was negative. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote this headline? So there you go. There, there's, there's your clickbait thumbnail, isn't, Jesus. isn't it? Agony. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. The Bank of England warned already struggling homeowners could see monthly mortgage repayments rise sharply in the coming months, but stressed households today are not nearly as indebted as they were in the run-up to the GFC. UK households are currently being impacted by a cost-of-living crisis and higher interest rates as their fixed-rate mortgage deals expire. So that's similar to what we've got in Australia um, with the fixed-rate mortgage um, mortgages. Yeah, yeah, it's a cliff. Yeah, exactly right. Um, In the Bank of England's financial stability report published Wednesday, the central bank said its model shows that over 2 million mortgage holders will see monthly payments increase between 200 to... Uh, between two hundred pounds to four hundred and ninety nine pounds, so two hundred and fifty nine USD to six hundred and forty five USD by the end of two thousand and twenty six. Almost one million people, meanwhile, were projected to see their monthly mortgage costs jump by more than five hundred pounds over the same time frame. Um, The Bank of England said that the amount of household debt remains uh, some way below the historic peak reached in 2007, however, so maybe a little bit of a saving grace there. Um, The central bank's report comes shortly after the UK's average two-year fixed mortgage rate rose to its highest level since 2008, deepening fears of an impending mortgage catastrophe. The average rate of a two-year fixed deal rose to t- uh, t- sorry rose to six point seven percent on Wednesday, according to figures from uh, data provider Moneyfax. This key mortgage rate came in at six point six six percent on Tuesday, notching its highest level in fifteen years. The average five-year mortgage uh, rose to six point two percent on Wednesday, uh, a modest increase from Tuesday, but still some way off the uh, six point five one level reached on October twentieth. October 20th when? It doesn't actually say. <laughs> anyway, there you go. October 20th, sometime. <laughs> sometime in the past 100 years, on an October, on the 20th of October. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. No, that, Is yeah. That, October, was that supposed to say October 2008, maybe? I don't even know. It doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. Good yeah. one. Anyway, yeah. there you go. Um, but I, I just chucked this one in. We don't have to talk about it for too long. I just chucked this in because it's, it is very similar to what we've kind of been speaking about happening in uh, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think the US is kind of unique uh, f- in this respect because they have these super long 
fixed mortgages, these 10, 20 and 30 year fixed mortgages. That's very... It's insane. It's very different from uh, what most countries um, uh, have in terms of all the products that banks offer. Um, Yeah. And yeah, maybe that creates other problems, you know, in their banking system, all of these banks that have all of these fixed, you know, very low fixed interest uh, mortgages. They're earning very small amounts of interest, but then for those savings accounts, the rates have gone up a lot. So they're paying out a lot while they've got these like kind of fixed incomes that are really low. So potentially, you know, that causes other issues in the US. But yeah, um, in most countries, it's a it's a problem that, that sits on the consumer side. Um, you can only really fix your mortgage for two, three, four, five years. Um, yeah, unfortunately. But here comes the mortgage cliff in over in England. So yeah. I guess just like it's the same story as what's happening here in Australia. We'll just have to wait and see what happens when it happens. Yep. Yep. Let's just wait and see. Let's wait Um, and see. Well, uh, Hamish, tell me about threads. (laughs) Give me an update on threads. Yeah, this is again, this is a short story. Just a short update on last week's discussion of uh, Meta's launch of the Twitter killer. The, um, did you know Twitter, Uh Twitter is in agony. No, it's not what the headline says. Um. <laughs> Twitter catastrophe. <laughs> Zuckerberg cuts Elon's head off. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh, dear. Just progressively more extreme. That's our kind of humor. We just take it, we just push it that little bit too far, don't we? Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, good, good, news for, uh, good news for threads. They've, uh, they hit. 100 million users in I think, was, I think it was five days which is crazy come on um come on man yeah that's that is that is insane and, and one effect we've kind of seen over the last decade is because there's this huge adoption of the internet now and these things move very quickly uh, new applications that are exciting uh, reach huge milestones very quickly. And that's kind of shortened and shortened. Mm. I'm sure people have probably seen on social media the graphs of kind of like, you know, people talking about how long it took Facebook to reach, you know, a million users compared to, uh, you know, applications today. The most recent was ChatGPT just a few months ago. Uh, or I guess maybe, yeah. W- when did ChatGPT launch? It would have been this year, right? Or maybe earlier this year, I think. No, I think uh, it was last year. I um, think it was Q4 last year. Okay. Um, but regardless, uh, they were able to reach a hundred million users in two months and that was the record. Um, so two months yep. was the time frame. Now it's five days, five days, <laughs> which is crazy. And, and to be fair, some people are saying this doesn't count because it's basically an extension of Instagram. You have to have an Instagram account. It's connected to your okay. Instagram account. So people are saying it's not its own app, so it doesn't count. Um, I think it's, I, I don't know. It's still pretty impressive that they're able to get a hundred million people to sign up in yeah. in, in a handful of days. Um, well, it is its own app, right? It but is. They've just, um, yeah, they've just. Of course, it's impre- They've used their leverage. That's what they've done. They've used their moat. They've used their leverage, and they've essentially given it an instant head start. Yeah. By all the other s- successful apps that they've gotten. So. Yeah, and and actually, interesting on that point. Uh, Potentially, uh, because of the way that they've launched um, threads through Instagram or by the use of Instagram, could be part of the reason why they actually haven't launched in the EU. Um, so there's a bit of news around this uh, this week. Uh, right. So they, they didn't they didn't launch in the EU, and the CEO of Instagram, who's also the head of Threads, um, Adam Masseri, uh, said uh, there are complexities with complying with some of the laws coming into effect next year in the EU. 
we don't want to launch anything that isn't forward compatible with what we know and what we think is coming. Uh, and they're essentially yep. talking about this new piece of EU legislation called the Digital Markets Act. Uh, and it's really sweeping antitrust, anti-monopolistic legislation for large yep. tech businesses. Uh, and the legislation hasn't uh, passed yet, but it's likely going to pass by October this year. So these laws are kind of coming. And uh, a lot of these rules kind of talk about uh, large tech companies as gatekeepers. Um, so uh, it, they only apply to really large tech companies as kind of benchmarks on users and revenue. And uh, the idea is to prevent uh, large companies that are using their scale to diminish competition. So one example is uh, large firms will be required to avoid setting their most important software as the default option on their devices. So Google setting Google Chrome as the default internet browser on Pixel phones, on their own phones, for example, using kind of those um, kind of walled garden kind of uh, features that these big companies have to, to um, you know, diminish competition. Uh, mm. And the fines for this legislation are massive. Uh, potential fines of up to 10% of global revenues on first offence and up to 10%, uh, sorry, up to 20% of global revenues on second offence which for Meta would be an $11 billion fine on the first offense yeah. and $22 billion on a repeat offense. Um, so it makes sense. Yeah. For them, they're just thinking like, okay, we could launch this thing and then we could cop a fine. <laughs> Can we, uh, you know, is Threads launching going to generate that much revenue that we can risk copping a fine this big when we're just the rules are murky and we're not sure about them and then they're like yeah. you know what we think the best strategy is to just not do it yeah we yeah one of our viewers um andy uh, left a comment on the the youtube version of the podcast and said that this could be related to um needing an instagram account to sign up to threads so potentially that um fits into where this legislation is trying to right. stop this kind of gatekeeper aspect um, using, you know, the Meta using their market power to gain a bunch of um, users um, competitively against Twitter. Um, yep. And I think he's absolutely right. That could definitely be playing into a Meta wanting to be a bit cautious here and make sure they know what the rules are before they cop a bunch of fines, which they have notoriously from the EU over yeah. and over again. Like, um, all the I, time. I spoke about it last week. I think there was a $2 billion fine that just came down um, just, just like a couple months ago. So it's a regular yeah. thing for them. It's a recurring expense. And they don't yeah, want to Yeah, as add. I say, it's the, mo <laughs> it's the most recurring, non-recurring expense you'll ever see. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to add $22 billion to that a year because that would be painful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, exactly right. Um, yep. That's, that's that. Yeah. That's pretty smack bang home run reasoning why they don't want to launch yet. Yep. That yep. makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, every everybody that's in the EU, but you'll have to wait. Yeah. Are you still using it? Are you still using threads? Do you like it? Still? Yeah, I think it's good. It's um yeah, and we we had a couple other people on the comment on the the episode and said that they like it, but um it's missing hashtags, which is a big part of um Twitter. And yeah, I think it I think it's good. It's it's yeah, it is just kind of a bare bones version of Twitter at the moment. It kind of doesn't have Okay doesn't have your own kind of following feed. It doesn't have hashtags. You can't search for tw uh, uh, for tweets. You can't search for posts. Um, <laughs> there's that. There's that mode. That brand. Um, yeah. That that's a that's an interesting aspect because that'll be tough to overcome. Is they've got that kind of Google, um, uh, you know, verbiage. I guess of of 
people yeah. saying tweeting things and retweeting. And that's that's something that has to be overcome. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it, it's good. Uh, I, I I've been it, it it's uh it's been fun to use, but I also don't like using social media a lot because I find that it's not good to be on social media. Sucks in. Yeah, yeah. I, I I end up deleting all of those apps, Instagram, that kind of thing during the week. And then I, at the end of the week, I re-download them all and use them on the weekend because I just, it's just too, like, um, you just don't want to have them on you, like, all the time. I feel like you just spend up wasting so much time. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Definitely true. All right, Hamish, and that brings us to the end of the news. Let's do a couple of Q&A questions. Yeah. And uh, and then bounce, I think. Mm, Yeah, um, yeah, let me ask... uh, I'll ask one of these to you. I'll ask you this first one. Uh, and um, sure. by the way, guys, if you have any questions, if you're on Spotify, just scroll up and you can ask your questions uh, just natively in the Spotify app. Uh, or you can head over to the YouTube version of the podcast and leave your questions as a comment on the latest episode. We're always welcoming uh, new questions and even just comments on stories that we talk about as well that we can kind of bring up in future episodes. Um, so this question is, uh, in the past few years, how have you been able to expand your circle of competence? Uh, does it happen organically through the development of personal interest in new products and services, or rather, do you take a more deliberate approach? Uh, I think, I, I think it's that's a that's a smack bang home run question. For me personally, I think it has to happen a bit organically. So I, I definitely agree that it has to be around me developing a personal interest in a new product or a new service, a new company. Maybe I've started using a company. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I really like it. For me anyway, maybe other people are not the same, but for me anyway, it really has to come from a place of interest um, to me. Otherwise, I know that when I just try, like if I'm like, I should learn more about pharmaceutical companies. (laughs) I just know that I'm just going to get bored and I'm just going to stop or I'm going to, you know, just not do as much digging as I should. So d- d- going into a new area has to come from a something that's piqued my interest. Having said that, I think you're right. I think there is, uh, there is a deliberate part of it that once you drift into a new maybe product category or a new industry, um, you maybe have one or two companies that you're like, oh, I'm really actually quite interested in those, but the the industry is padded out by multiple players. So sometimes you do have to take a bit more of a deliberate approach and be like, okay, I looked into that company that's new and I started using their product and I really like it. But now as a part of forming a better circle of competence or a, a, a expanded circle of competence, I also do need to look into these other companies to, un- to better understand the industry. Um I guess in a way that maybe when you started looking into restaurants, there was one that maybe took your fancy. Maybe it was yeah. Texas Roadhouse. But then you also said, hang on, I can't just look at Texas Roadhouse. Mm. I need to see how the metrics of the industry stack up with other, you know, casual dining kind of places. Is that is that kind of what you think as well? Or yeah. Different? Yeah. That's an interesting example. It was kind of like that a little bit different. I would say... I always start organically. So I always start with areas that I find interesting and then obviously there has to be some kind of deliberate attempt to, as you said, kind of expand your understanding of the industry. When it came to the restaurant chains, I actually didn't start with Texas Roadhouse, which was kind of interesting. I actually started with the industry itself because I thought it was interesting. Uh, It was kind of, it's a kind of business that doesn't have too many moving parts. So it was, it was fun to go deep on, on it. And I ended up just going through 
and getting a list of all of the publicly traded restaurant companies. And I just went through one by one and I analyzed all of them. Oh, okay. Or at least, you know, I spent time looking at, at, at some of them and I spent a lot of time on others. And that's actually how I found Texas Roadhouse. So I didn't find the company first and then, you know, use my interest in that to look at other restaurant chains. I actually just was interested in restaurant chains generally. And that led me to filter out the bad ones and, and filter to the ones that I thought were, were interesting. But yeah, I agree. I think it has to start organically um, because otherwise you're going to force yourself into learning about things that you're not that excited about and you're not going to go as deep as you should. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of been yeah my approach. Very interesting. Well, hopefully that is intre- uh, hopefully that is interesting. Hopefully that is helpful. And with that said, I think we will wrap things up for today. But yeah, if you do have a Q and A question you'd like us to answer, definitely leave it on the most recent version of the podcast, and we will chuck it in our Google Doc, and we will slowly get through them. Yep. Um, but yeah, wow, bang, an hour, there just like go. that, Hamish. Just like that. Just like that. We always manage to do it somehow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thanks very much uh, as always, guys, for for tuning in. We uh, we appreciate the hour that you give us every each and every week. Uh, Hopefully, you got something out of it. Hopefully, you learned something and found it a little bit entertaining. Maybe help you on your drive to work, your long, boring drive to work. (laughs) I hate commuting. I hate commuting. Anyway, Uh, all right, we are going to bounce. Thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys. Thank you.